married this Victoria Day long weekend, it's too late. However, if you know someone uh, or yourself perhaps is having a spring or summer wedding, then you probably know that these affairs bring out the best in people. And they also unfortunately bring out the worst. You should probably hear these wedding tips from our guest at the BBB coming up in just a handful of minutes. And pest problems got you feeling squirrely? A segment that we often do on the Home Discovery Show, What's Bugging You? with our green natural pest control expert, Joe Gabera, will be along to answer any questions you have regarding pests, rodents, uh, wildlife, or insects. And Paul Friesen and his team at I Find It Inspections provide professional home inspections. They also look at townhouses, condos, mobile homes. They do mold inspections. And we asked Mr. Friesen to join us to talk about something we haven't seen for quite some time. That's where a potential property buyer waives the subjects, including home inspections. And with that, uh, we thought that uh, some people are of the mind that if they waive those subjects, it will give them some kind of leverage if uh, there's a bidding war on that particular property. That's just how hot this market is right now. And we asked Mr. Friesen uh, what the role of a home inspector is. As a professional home inspector, what I'm looking for and what we do, we do a conditional assessment on the home. So we're looking for the major systems, the electrical, plumbing, structural, roof, heating, and cooling. As we go through the home and look for these defects, we also run along other stuff that give us an indication of how the home is performing overall. That lets us tell the potential buyer, these are the things that's going to cost you money in the future. These are the safety concerns. Sometimes they don't want to buy the house after that. Sometimes they're like, great, good to know. Now we can get those things fixed. So it's providing buyers peace of mind so they can go into this huge financial transaction with a good, comfortable decision. But what happens in the case where a home inspector misses something, uh, a leak in a boiler or a, a roof that may end up needing replacement two weeks after the, the people have moved in? These kinds of things happen all the time. What's the recourse? Is there any at all? Well, I, I don't know if they happen all the time. I have heard of these horror stories, and that's kind of a home inspector's worst fear is missing something. We are often only given a few hours to do the inspection. We have thousands of things to look at. And we have Consumer Protection BC. That, that we have a, a guideline that we follow. And uh, our job is actually not to miss anything. Hence the name of our inspection company, I Find Inspections. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're looking for these things. But if we miss them, then you know we, can, we have the chance to make it right with, uh, with the buyer or they can pursue legal action. But if the seller has covered those things up and they knew about it, now there's a responsibility on them. So that will also get assessed by a professional and someone else, maybe a third party will come in and say, hey, maybe you knew about this and you painted over this mold. Mm-hmm. You covered up that foundation crack. Now we have a different scenario where you know latent defects are different than patent defects, which are just negligence from a, a home inspector missing it. So what's the possible consequence of missing out? Let's say uh, I'm looking at a home, I remove the subjects, I waive uh, any possible home inspection. What consequences might I be facing? Well, if you waive your home inspection and you move in, um, uh, here's the prime example. The other week I had one. There was three leaking balconies that the buyer didn't know about it, and he bought it subject-free with no inspection. He was in a rush to get it. Now he's looking at tens of thousands of dollars of worth of damage that was already present, 
but he never got a home inspection to have a look. And I was easily able to identify those within the first hour. So it's a huge risk you're taking because you're not, it's like buying a car and just sitting in the seat without turning it on and taking it for a drive. How do you know what's wrong? The Canadian um, Association of Home and Property Inspectors, BC, which is the light, one of two licensing bodies in BC, uh, Executive Director Helen Barton believes there will be rampant litigation as a result uh, between buyers, sellers, and realtors over the next few years after these buyers are faced with thousands of dollars of unexpected deficiencies because if you're maxed out on your credit card and you need a new roof or a boiler or a HVAC system and that costs a lot of money, you may be strapped because you've stretched your credit too far. There could be a lot of litigation. Do you agree with that? 100% I do. I think we're going to start seeing that uh, fairly shortly just because this market is not slowing down. I can't see it getting any better unless they start sellers or possible live listing agents extend the times to allow professional inspector to come through. It's just, it's a risk for everyone. Even if the sellers don't know there is a problem, that's why we've been doing this. Why, that's why it's such an established industry. A lot of guys have been doing this for a long time. There's, there's a reason why you have an inspection. Paul, what about these walkthrough inspections that many buyers are now asking for? So in other words, there's no physical report that is issued. However, somebody will do a walkthrough during, let's say, an open house. You, you, you can't, that's not even, uh, it's not even legal with our Consumer Protection BC. You have to provide a written report. You have to do a full inspection. You can't do j- just a, a visual walkthrough. Many times it takes me an hour or so, sometimes two hours of trying to figure out a problem because I see the problem, but now I need to find out what is causing the problem. So those are, are those should not be done. I forewarn any buyer that they should not put their faith in someone that's going to walk through an open house and tell them whether or not they should buy the house based on that. And for and it's not even legal. What's the cost of a home inspection, Paul? Right now we charge around $500 for a twenty five to 3,000 square foot house. And you're at ifinditinspections.ca. Yes, sir. ifinditinspections.ca. Appreciate your time, Paul. Thank you very much, Ian. I really appreciate it. Paul Friesen, I find it inspections. Uh, you can look for them uh, easy to find on uh, the internet if you're interested in pursuing that. If you're thinking about buying a home, it is recommended to get a home inspections. It's certainly an option. You, there's nothing to compel you to do so. One of the big problems that people are finding uh, when they remove the subjects, and particularly when it comes to home inspection, that you max out your credit. If you're in a bidding war and you're paying over the asking price, and you're maxing out your credit, and uh, you move in, and then two weeks later you need a roof or a new furnace or something major like that, and you can't get access to money, what do you do? You're in trouble. You're knee-deep. So that's why getting that home inspection ahead of time is important. Now, if you can't get a home inspection on site, there's a couple of things that you can do, and you might want to look into this, and that is end-of-life cycle, which is so important to any home inspector, and that is if the roof is on the house and it's been there Uh, For 20 years, you know that most likely, in a lot of cases, it's at the end of its life cycle. It will need to be replaced at some point. The same for everything else. So if you can get some data on the age of the structure and the, the working mechanicals of the house, that might give you some information. But certainly a home inspector has the qualifications and the license and the insurance to give you more detail. We'll take a break on Vancouver Consumer next. Some wedding tips. It is Wedding season, 
uh, and graduation, but we're going to talk about weddings when we come back on News Talk 980 CKNW. Weddings bring out the best in people and the worst. The Better Business Bureau has some wedding tips that you might find helpful so that you don't have uh, a bad business uh, make it a bad day for you. Weddings are stressful enough, so joining us is Evan Kelly. He's a senior communications advisor with the Better Business Bureau serving mainland BC to help ease your way to marital bliss. You're an expert on marital bliss, aren't you? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time on a long weekend. Oh, pleasure. Pleasure. Not a problem at all. Uh, we'll leave, uh, tell you what, Evan, to, to make it fair, we'll leave the marital bliss part for those that know better, people like Maureen McGrath. Uh, let us focus for now on, on some of the tips that you have. Uh, and, and let's start with uh, payment because that's a, that's a tricky thing when it comes to some uh, wedding vendors. Like, for example, uh, a deposit, no deposit. Uh, I know that one of the tips that you might want to offer is to never pay in cash. Yeah, that's that's always a, always a good one. You always want to use a credit card uh, wherever possible. Other things to keep in mind too, like if if you're uh, uh, reserving a place and they've they've given you a a, um, a price, make sure you understand that uh, whether it does include tips or uh, tips and, or gratuities and taxes and things like that. Make make sure you understand that the price, what the bottom line price is, with everything uh, all included. Um, you want, of course, this is all about planning. Everybody wants their uh, their day to go well, and uh, make sure, of course, that your companies the, the companies of your choice are available on that wedding date. Um, be careful of high pressure tactics uh, to make you commit uh, to a venue or a product or service on the spot. A few, a few things like that. Yeah, you talk about planning and and preparation, and I guess there isn't a thing that we do in life that doesn't require a certain amount of prep and planning, but when it comes to weddings, and I think weddings are a good example because they're at the high end of the emotion spectrum, so you have to be somewhat organized, and you have to have have some kind of a system of organization, and I I find for myself that just, I mean, the old-fashioned making lists is still a very effective way, and then track everything that you do to make sure that whatever bookings, as you say, uh, are are locked and, and contracted like the hall or a room for a reception. And if you do that well ahead of times, you, you won't have your guests show up to a place that's got something else going on. And, and confirm, confirm, confirm. Make sure you know, call a couple of weeks in advance. Make sure everything's uh, uh, ready to go. And that sometimes it can the thing venues might double book something by accident. I've seen that happen. The other uh, con- problem with uh, wed- weddings these days is that wedding vendors, uh, service providers themselves, are actually being targeted for scams. Uh, one is the, um, the the check cashing scam. A lot of photographers we've heard of being uh, contacted. What they'll, the scammer does is, is they hire this photographer through uh, Craigslist or, or their website, and, and what they'll say is they'll, they'll say, okay, well, here's a payment. It's more than what you're charging. I want you to send a difference to my uh, wedding planner to keep the money trail going. It's a complete scam. There was a local uh, singing uh, a cappella group that uh, was in the news recently that just uh, went through that. They were hired by this this couple, alleged couple in the United States, sent way more money than they than they needed to pay to cover the cost for the group to go down there, and they wanted them to send the money off to their uh, their wedding planner or or, or another uh, service provider. So things like that, even even uh, service providers for weddings, you got to be careful these days because people are looking for you too. I'm trying to to pose this question without naming Craigslist or Kijiji or other services like that. 
But I, but I'm wondering in general at the Better Business Bureau if, if you don't if you, if you do receive a a high level of uh, concerns regarding these types of online businesses, mm-hmm. is, is is this something that you deal with? Oh, all the time. Yeah, it's it's this is it's it's that check cashing. If I'm selling a car on Craigslist, for example, and someone's really enthusiastic about it, wants to sit, give me more money. Uh, then the car is actually then what you're asking for, and then they want you to send the difference back to them to help with shipping or, or what have you. It's, it, it's an ongoing scam. About $6 million was lost to Canadians for this type of scam last year. So you, and if anybody is offering you more money than what you're selling a product or service for, then it's, it's way too good to be true, and it's, it's a scam. That's okay. always, always the first clue, too good to be yeah. true. Yeah. So when it comes to winning, uh, the, the trick is to, to be organized, uh, to get everything in writing, to to do your homework and vet these vendors before yep. you spend any money, lock in the dates, and uh, try to take a step back before you immerse yourself too deeply in the emotion. Try to keep that out of it. Yeah. And, and perhaps, no, I was just going to say that that may be a, a, a good role for a, a good wedding planner is that they can take that emotion out of it for you so that yep. sound decisions are made. Do your research. Get re- ask for references. Uh, check our BB uh, the database at BBB dot uh, org and uh, just make sure uh, you got all your ducks in a row and you want that data go off well. Better Business Bureau put out a warning on Wednesday uh, to do homework before you attend a house flipping seminar. Yes. Lord knows uh, we don't have enough seminars, but now we've got house flipping seminars, and they're popping up uh, all over the place these days, it seems. So let's talk in general terms, rather than perhaps this particular case, unless you feel that's necessary. Uh, But what is the concern here? What should we be looking for when it comes to these real estate uh, seminars or different programs that people are lured into? Yeah, I mean, this one is of particular concern to us. It's called Success Path Education or Success Path. Uh, they went. They're they're technically uh, listed under BBB Utah under Premier Mentoring. This is a, a concern to us because they've developed almost a, over a close to 160 um, pretty damaging complaints over the past year and a half. And there's a lot of people that are coming out of these going, "Well, I didn't learn anything, and I and I gave them thousands upon thousands of dollars. We got some people uh, wanting refunds back as, as much as seventy thousand dollars. And a couple of these complaints have actually come from Vancouver. So people are taking these courses." Um, and and expecting that they're going to get into this house flipping market and make a ton of money, but they're coming away from this going, well, I didn't really feel like I learned anything, and it, they had, these courses had little or no value, or these mentorships had little or no value. So we're 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 not saying don't go to this. We just want to make sure that people are doing their research and and um, and understanding what they may or may not be getting. And go online, read the reviews. You can go onto the DBB Utah website and, and look at the uh, complaints there. Of 157 at last check. And uh, even on Yelp, there's a lot of uh, uh, very questionable reviews on this company. So we're just we're very concerned about the practice of what they're doing, and to get people into these uh, technically free seminars, and then do the really really hard upsell to try and buy these other um, other mentorship programs. Now we don't want to paint all of these uh, seminar programs with the same brush, but no. many of them, uh, from what I'm hearing from you, are are in business to get you into the classroom, so to speak, or into the, the hotel room or wherever it's being held yeah. to upsell you and take more money out of your pocket. Well, exactly. And that's, that, that's the, the, sort of the issue that we have with this. You know, we're not calling it a scam. Um, but what, what has been happening is uh, the people go to these conferences and they, they teach you how to increase the, uh, the credit limit on your credit cards, and then they instantly try and upsell you on these uh, programs. And, and for the second step program, is $2,000. And then you can spend as much as thirty dollars or $40,000 uh, for a week of mentorship, and uh, and the complaints are, are concerning because this is obviously a lot of money. They've given 
uh, a little bit of refund back, but uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of uh, angry people out there that feel that feel ripped off. We anticipated my question a little bit in that uh, I wanted to ask you if there, if you find yourself uh, fallen for this, is there any recourse? Well, I mean, you can try and get your refund back, and there have been a couple of cases in the U.S. where they've, they've brought the law enforcement in uh, to, uh, to deal with that. But what they do is they get you to sign a contract, uh, like anything else. So you want to go through that contract with a fine-tooth comb. You don't, you don't want to be uh, uh, hurried into making a snap judgment to dropping $30,000 for a week of, of uh, a seminar. So it really comes to, there's a lot of buyer beware in this, and I just want people to understand that if they're going to these free seminars, there's going to be a hard sell element. And you just want to go in there with your eyes open and and with your research behind you. Evan Kelly is a Senior Communications Advisor for the Better Business Bureau in Vancouver. Long Victoria Day weekend always marks the midway point in the allergy season. And it's also moving season. And uh, and I'm sure that you'll say you've got to do a lot of homework when it comes to moving. Be prepared. Yeah, Yeah, this is an industry that's... uh, it gets a lot of complaints. Uh, it's, un- it's, it's unfortunate because um, I've been talking a lot with the uh, Canadian Associ- Association of Movers recently, and even they are, are concerned. They're, they feel that the industry is riddled with theft, fraud, and extortion. And the, one of the problems is there's a few barriers of, uh, of entry in, to get into this industry, so they really feel that criminals tend to gravitate there. So this one really comes down to, uh, you know, make sure you're doing your research online. Come to BBB's database, check out. We've got many uh, moving companies that are accredited. And, uh, of course, like any other business uh, transaction, you want to get lots of references. You want to get at least three estimates. Uh, the lowest bid isn't the way to go, isn't necessarily the, um, the way to go. So, it's, 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 again, it's just about uh, uh, understanding the business you're dealing with. Um, there might be even more research you have to do because what a lot of these companies do will, will uh, get your business. Then they'll contract out to another company, which, yeah. which is fine. They do that a lot. It just means you've got to do even more research. Yeah, and we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but uh, the other thing when it comes to moving, I'm sure you'll agree, is that you need insurance and to be sure that the insurance you're getting is covering what you think it's going to cover. Make sure you've got all your, uh, all, everything covered. Yeah, you, you might have to buy extra insurance. A lot of companies have insurance of their own, but if you've got you know, things of value, you certainly want to get that, that covered. Other little things, understand that if you're moving from a house to a 25th floor apartment, there might be an extra charge in that and, and having the moving company go up and down 25 times. So Yeah, exactly. Like if you have a grand piano, for example. Yeah, exactly. Just one minor thing, reputable, reputable companies are not going to necessarily charge you uh, deposits. Uh, we've got some uh, complaints on file that we're concerned about that where the companies are asking for 50% or even 100% uh, payment up front before they do anything, and then the trucks don't show up. So we're this is understand that that reputable companies don't really operate in that way, and just come to BBB's database and and find a company that's accredited with us, and they should have a good time. Got to leave it there, but uh, that uh, database is at uh, www.bbb.org/mbc. Uh, just type in BBB Vancouver, you'll find it. Evan Kelly is a senior communications advisor, and we appreciate your time on this long Victoria Day weekend. And we'll come right back. Uh, our segment, What's Bugging You, is next on Vancouver Consumer from News Talk 980 CKNW. This is a segment that I've been doing on the Home Discovery Show for a number of years now and thought it might be an idea to bring it over here to Vancouver Consumer. We call it, What's Bugging You? 
With the seemingly warmer weather and drier conditions, we called on Joe Gabera of Green Valley Pest Control to help make uh, this a uh, pest and critter-free spring and summer. Uh, we caught up with Joe at the north end of the Okanagan Valley in sunny Vernon. It's sunny in Vernon, I trust, Joe? No, actually, it's raining here. Oh, is it? Well, they <laughs> yeah. prob- probably need it there. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Are you there for the wildlife, or are you just there for a little R&R? here for a little family visit nice well appreciate your time away from the family for a few minutes uh, to to spend with us uh in your experience has the generally warmer weather and drier conditions uh, had an impact on your business oh absolutely everything started early this year the wildlife the ants the wasp nests everything yeah and, and do things like the spread of mosquito-borne diseases like we're hearing about in the news the zika virus or even closer to home where we're seeing the European fire ants setting up shop in Metro Vancouver. Do these kinds of things worry you? Um, not so much the Zika virus, but uh, I mean, I guess that one can just be transmitted human to human, though, at one point. But sure. the, uh, the fire ants, for sure, we get a lot of fire ants now. They've been brought in with vegetation, and uh, I'm getting calls probably weekly now. <laughs> Now, do you think, that, is this a result of ha- having these, uh, obviously they've been transplanted here, yeah. but does the weather play a role in, in uh, uh, an insect like that surviving? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But they also, too, they, they mig- they've started migrating up further up north, so then they probably got into the vegetation that uh, they didn't even know were in, they didn't even know they had them in that type of vegetation, and then it was probably transported to so, you. Yeah, that's probably what happened. Right. Because... They usually came from further south. And then they adapt, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And then once, it's not that we can't kill them with insecticides. It's that their nests are so massive and so deep down in the soil, you need a lot of insecticides. Plus, they have multiple queens, so they their nests can just be in the hundreds of thousands within no time. So, With the European fire ant, uh, what do they look like and what do they do? What, what is the problem for animals and humans? Well, they do bite. They do sting. They have. Uh, they basically push out formalic, uh, formic acid out of their um, injector in their in their behind. It's like a it's like a stinger, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not the bite; it's the actual sting. I mean, it's not. They don't sting really deadly like some of the southern fire ants in the United States. Those ones there will drop you like a wasp mm-hmm. sting. These ones, these ones hurt, but they don't. They're, they're tingly more than anything. It all depends on the person. But again, if you're allergic to that and you react to it, it can be, you know, it can be catastrophic for your life. So can it can it put you into an anaphylactic if you're that allergic? Yeah, yeah anything can, right? I mean, even a spider bite depends on the human being. I suppose you're right there. One of the things that I, that's been drawn to my attention, uh, we'll get off the the European fire ants, but one last thing is because there are some spots, uh, particularly uh, in the area at dog parks, where dogs are getting bitten or stung by these fire ants. Is, is that a concern for our pets? Absolutely, yeah. Any, any kind of animal can go into anaphylactic shock, just like humans. Hmm. Joe, I want to ask you a question. Uh, when, it, when it comes to this area of Metro Vancouver, uh, in your mind, public enemy in terms of insects or pests or wildlife, what, what, is, what are our number one, two, and three uh, biggest problems? Well, that we get calls for is ants. Really? Ants galore. <laughs> like we're, we're seeing, like I said, they started so early this year, and they're already in homes. And people come up, they wake up in the morning, and their kitchen are filled with them. They're, you know, they're after the food and the sweets and everything else. 
Now, there's, but there's a, there's a lot of different types of ants. So how do we distinguish between one from the other? Yeah, mainly what we're seeing first off um, is the people call them pavement ants, moisture ants, cornfield ants, honey ants. They're pretty much all the same. They're the smaller ants. So some are black, some are reddish brown. They're not really uh, structurally damaging. Well, they aren't structurally damaging. They push up a little sand here and there. But they're more of a nuisance pest, but you still don't want hundreds of ants in your home. Uh, it's the carpenter ant, obviously, that can do the structural damage if they get in there. Mm-hmm. I had uh, pavement ants at my place, and fortunately uh, had one treatment, and it seems to be uh, successful. But uh, at one point, I must have had, uh, I don't know, am I exaggerating if I said I had 100 ants in my place? Oh, not at all. You could say 1,000, and I'd believe you. One thing that I tried, by the way, before I was able to get a technician over to my place, and, and that was I, I sprayed, and somebody said try vinegar, and I, I sprayed vinegar, and that it did not stop them, but it sure slowed them down. Oh, absolutely. You can put any kind of deterrent in their way. I mean, people try all sorts of homemade recipes and stuff, but uh, yeah, until you hit the actual, you've got to hit the colony, the main main nest, mm-hmm. and you just spray it in the house. You just spray in basically along their traveling lines, so that's slowing them down. But you've got to find, a lot of times the nest will be in like a wall void or it'll even be outside around the house and maybe a crack in the ground, and you have to find that. If you don't find that and kill it off, you're not going to get rid of them. Well, in my case, when the technician came by, he was able to show me, uh, I'm, and I'm guessing uh, there were several holes along the, uh, the the patio slab where they looked like quarter-inch drill holes. Yeah. And there was yeah, about half a dozen of those. Pushed up the sand, yeah. That's probably where the nest is right underneath there. Yeah. Okay, so ants number one, public enemy number one. What's uh, second on the list? Uh, probably wasps. Oh, is it early for wasps? Oh, yeah, we get a lot already, yeah. Really? And then you get people who are allergic. That's the biggest thing is people that are afraid to be stung because they, they could be potentially life-threatening to them. So they, we're getting a lot of calls for those. What do you do about the wasps? Uh, we inject them with a chemical yeah. or, or a dust. Uh, a lot of times we just be, are able to use organic dust on them, and we try to be organic most of the time. But, uh, yeah, and they're pretty easy to kill as long as we can see the nest. If you can't see the nest and they get up in the soffit and stuff, those are a little tougher. Yeah. Sometimes we have to follow up on those. So is this, are wasps important for our pollination process? Absolutely. Yeah, they pollinate. Absolutely. So when we take out a wasp nest, are we threatening our own survival? Well, no. no not <laughs> I'm trying to be dramatic here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. One or, two, one or two, no, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. And we obviously don't harm honeybees when we have get calls for a, a wasp nest, and it turns out to be honeybee calling at home. We we phone a beekeeper, and we know several that will come and vacuum them up and take them away for you. Fair enough. So the wasps, the the biggest concern there is the sting and the potential for an allergic reaction. That's right, yeah. and it and it hurts. Oh, well, it depends on the person, but yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing you've been stung a few times. Oh yeah, and, and you don't like it, do you? And, and you, you're probably not wearing any protection at all when you do that. No, not normally. Yeah. It's too hot out usually to, get, <laughs> like to put on a suit. <laughs> okay, so we're at, we got ants, wasps, and the third one on our top three public enemy oh, list. Probably rats and mice. Yeah. Has this year Actually, been is, is this year been bad, or is it just is it's no, the it's same the old same, story? Year round. Those are year round pests. They're not. Uh, they're not just seasonal anymore. They. Uh, they used to be, but now they're just. They've overtaken the whole lower mainland. We have tons. Of, well, you've seen on the city news and 
how they've been around schools and parks, and they're just everywhere. Which we have a very mild climate, and they breed very prolific. They're very prolific, and my understanding is, and, and help me with this, Joe, uh, that, that rats, you really don't want rats in your place, because uh, if they die in your attic or in your walls, uh, it, it's trouble, it's, it smells, and it's and, and rats will bring more rats, and, and not so much with mice. Is that is that about right? Well, yeah. Uh, rats are the most social of the rodents. So mice are actually territorial. Like a one male rat, or sorry, one male mouse will not allow another male mouse to be in its territory. Oh, really? Whereas rats, whereas rats are, they'll, they'll colonize, they'll populate and have tons living with each other. They're very social. Are they? So, so it's a, yeah. a bit of a party in your attic. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, I know what you're going to say. Uh, I'm anticipating your next answer. You're going to say, don't let them in. And I'm going to say, what do you do about rats? And you're going to say, you've got to seal off your place. And You know it. Uh, unfortunately, I do know it. Uh, this, is not a, this is not for your average do-it-yourselfer, is it? No, they're tough sometimes, and people miss holes all the time. I mean, I've, we even have gone to places where other potential, uh, well, supposed to be wildlife experts have done the job, and we find more holes. Yeah. What you have to realize is a rat can get in the hole the size of a quarter. That's <laughs> pretty t- tiny in a home. I've caught rats in my squirrel traps, and they've gotten out. Really? In your squirrel oh, yeah. traps? Yeah. And squirrel traps are, the you know, they got the holes about the size of a quarter, uh, the square, of course. Mm-hmm. But I had a young rat one time pop out. Uh, I was even amazed. Like, it was getting its head out, getting its head out, and it got to its shoulder. And next thing you know, it popped out, and I was like, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder too about uh, this is something else that's come up in conversation that uh, a rat trap and a mouse trap are two separate things. Yes, and a lot of people make that mistake, so they don't realize that if they put a rat trap, I mean, a mouse trap out for a rat, and they don't catch that rat, which they won't because it's not large enough, then they've made that animal trap shy. So then when we get called to come and get rid of it. We usually can't catch it either with a trap because they've made it trap shy. So in a case like that, we end up sealing the whole building off and then putting what's called a one-way door on, which allows them to get out and not back in. Right. Okay. Uh, it, it's the, If they're not responding to the trap, what does that tell you? Well, they could be trap shy. Like I said, they you know, could have sprung off on them before and not get caught. And, and they're pretty wise. They're pretty wily. I mean, they're also it's called neophobia, which means they have a fear of new things. So a lot of times they won't go to something right away. So if they come up to a trap, they sometimes will nudge it, and it'll snap off, and they won't go to it. So you can do what's called pre-baiting first time out. You can put the traps out and not put any, po- or not put any uh, bait on them. Or sorry, put the bait on them, rather, not set them the first time. So you put them out with the bait on them, you don't set them, you let them feed off them once, and then you set them, because then they're familiar with them at that point, and it's it's a little bit more successful. It's full-on psychological warfare. It is. They're clever little creatures. Joe, can you hang on for a sec? I sure can. Yeah, please do. I appreciate that. We're talking to Joe Gabera. He's with Green Valley Pest Control. Uh, you're pretty much all over Metro Vancouver, are you not? Yes, we service all over mainland. And uh, you deal with uh, uh, insects and and rodents and wildlife and spiders and everything in between. Moles and everything, bats, you name it, we take care of it. And we'll talk about bed bugs in a moment. Uh, we have to take a break. We'll come right back. Joe Gabera from Green Valley Pest Control. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW.
We're doing what we call What's Bugging You. Joe Gabera has joined us. He's actually in Vernon this weekend doing some family time on a long Victoria Day weekend, but has been kind enough to join us on the line. We've been talking about uh, public enemy number one, two, and three, ants, wasps, and rats and mice are going into the same uh, what about squirrels and other... Let's talk about squirrels, raccoons, and skunks. Can I even put those in the same category? Sure you can, yeah. Any of the wildlife, we deal with a lot of those. Mainly squirrels. I would say squirrels would be after rats and mice. You get a lot of those in the attics this time of year because they want to set up sites for their babies. And I'm seeing a lot of babies. Is this is this a particularly uh, uh, potent time for them? I'm seeing a lot of really tiny squirrels around. Yeah. Yeah, well, lots of these, and they'll have several letters in a year too. Normally, they'll just have one, but depending on the season, and especially if it's warm, they'll have one early on in spring, and then they'll have another one sometimes secondary in the in the later part of summer. Yeah, so they're having a good life, basically, is what you're saying. Yes, and again, back to the climate changes and the warmth. There's more food supply for them, so. Mama knows that they can breed more often. What do you do, Joe? Uh, and, and, and I mean, this may even be rhetorical, but what do you do about the neighbor that insists on feeding the wildlife and then complains that they've got a problem? Exactly. Well, there are a lot of bylaws out there that you're not allowed to. So you can make a bylaw call and just see if uh, it's allowed in your area. Most of the time it's not. So that's, I mean, they, there's lots of food out there. You don't need to feed the animals. Yeah. There's no shortage, and that's why they're here to no. begin with, right? Exactly. They go exactly. They go where the food is. They know where to be. Yeah, and you don't want to make them dependent on you either so that they don't really know how to take care of themselves when the weather does change. Yeah. What do you do about squirrels? Pretty much the same thing as rats. We seal off the openings and put what's called a one-way door on, and which allows them flips only one way, so it allows them to get out and not back in. And then sometimes we, you know, if they have the babies, we have to crawl in there and take the babies, put them outside in a box with Mama, and she'll take them away. Right, and we do the same thing with raccoons and skunks. Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a skunk. I don't think. <laughs> no, no, they're but they're a little easier for us because they're usually, <clears throat> pardon me, they're usually underneath sheds and things like that. They don't go up into the attic like the raccoons or the squirrels. Right. So that's lower level stuff. So they're they're easy to take care of. And are the squirrels uh, as feisty as the raccoons? They're more aggressive to me. I've encountered both, and I think. Mama squirrels are more aggressive. Yeah, really? I've been up, I've been up on ladders from putting the one-way door on that squirrel keeps coming at me, and I have to keep pushing the gun at it. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get a drill gun going, and your eye drill, put the drill gun at it, you're trying to scare it up, and it keeps coming back at you. Whereas mother raccoons, I mean, they have them once in a while come at me, but they usually run off, and they wait, and they know that they'll get their babies eventually. Yeah, and they do. I've, I've seen that where raccoons have been removed from an attic, uh, left inside a box, you know, a well-ventilated box, and then uh, just uh, just as the sun is going down, Mama Raccoon will come and collect her babies and, and gone just as quickly as they arrived. She sure will, yeah. You know, and it's fascinating to watch. Yeah, they won't leave them behind. Now, when it comes, uh, just uh, last point on this whole business of squirrels, rats, rodents in general, um, I guess the, the one of the big problems is is that they'll chew through just about anything, including your electrical wires. Exactly. The word rodent means to gnaw. And the reason rats, mice, and squirrels gnaw is because their teeth continually grow. So they see uh, wiring up in your attic. Well, it looks just like a, t- a twig or stick to them. So they wire, they'll chew through wires, plumbing pipes, all sorts of things and cause damage. Wow. So you want to catch that early if you can. Yeah, whereas the raccoons are a lot larger, but 
and you would think they would cause more damage, but they don't. <laughs> they yeah. actually don't chew pipes and stuff. They, I mean, they'll chew at the shingles to get in, but yeah. once they're in, they, they don't really they'll roam around. And, well, and when it comes to the shingles, they, they'll use their, I don't know, their their claws or whatever, oh. they their long nails. and Oh, they're powerful. <laughs> they, they really are powerful. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to one of the most popular topics when it comes to pest control. And, and I say that, of course, with my tongue in cheek because anybody who's ever experienced bed bugs knows just what a, literally what a pain that can be. Uh, but you've come up with a treatment that seems to be very effective, not only cost-effective, but uh, effective for a homeowner as well. Right, yeah. That's our heat treatment. It's, uh, it's called Temp Air. We bring in electric heaters. and uh, Well, first we bring in our bed bug sniffing dog to determine, if we can't find bed bugs, to determine if they, in fact, have bed bugs. Because a lot of people confuse other insects for them. They'll get a flea bite and they think they have bed bugs, or they'll get a mosquito bite and think they have bed bugs. Mm-hmm. Well, even we get what's called a carpet beetle larvae, which look very similar to a bed bug, but they're not. And I usually get people to send me pictures first if they have something to show me. Right. If they can't find any bugs and we can't find any bugs, we bring in our bed bug sniffing dog. And these are, you know, like $15,000 dogs, just like a bomb sniffing dog that are trained hundreds of hours and recertified. And they are pretty accurate with them. Between them and the uh, inspector, I'd say, you know, we're like 99%. Is that right? What what type of I'm just curious what what the breed of the dog is? Any any breed, lots of breed. Ours is a our, ours is called, named Moonshine and it's a uh, beagle. But there's tons of different breeds out there, right? So yeah, I imagine a yeah beagle or maybe a retriever type of dog. Any any dog that's got any pretty dog, good sniffing. All dogs smell well. We smell parts per million, and animal dogs smell parts per billion. So. Yeah. Now, the traditional method of dealing with bed bugs uh, is is not necessarily a permanent solution. Is the heat treatment uh, do you offer, like, for example, is there a guarantee if I go to yeah. this uh, this expense? Absolutely. Especially if it's a home, we can guarantee it because, you know, if you don't bring them back, we know you're good to go. Whereas if we do an apartment, we're not sure if people around you have them. And we try to set it up so that we can inspect all the units right. around the one unit that's affected. <clears throat> that way we can tell if anybody else has them. If anybody else has them, we eradicate from there too. Mm-hmm. And then you go further, right? You have to make sure everything that's connected has no bed bugs or they're going to come back. Whereas in a house, we know. But you just have to be careful. When you travel, I tell people this all the time, don't put your luggage in the drawers. <laughs> yeah. you hang your clothes, don't put it in the drawers because that's where they love to nest in wood. So that's where you're going to pick them up going back into your luggage. Keep your luggage on that rack off the floor. Inspect the beds. As soon as you get up into that room, flip up the mattress cover and look all around. See if there's any blood spots. See if there's any bugs. If there is, get another room right away. If there's not, you're probably going to be pretty good, especially if you keep your luggage off the floor and out of the drawers. And then uh, other things that can potentially bring them in are obviously buying used furniture from other people. Yeah. <laughs> so don't buy used beds, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. Uh, I'm told, too, that libraries are, are great places for bed bugs. Well, you think about it. You bring a library book home. Where do most people read? In their bedroom, where sure. the bed bugs are. So they put that library book on their nightstand right beside their bed, and the bugs crawl in there too. So then take that back to the library, and guess what happens? The next person takes it out, and yeah, so on and so forth. It just keeps the vicious cycle. So those are the kind of things I do tell people. Libraries, where you travel, don't buy used furniture. A little bit tougher for people who live in apartment buildings, and there's a big problem there. Yeah, but yeah the heat the heat treatment is 100% effective. Like, we guarantee 100%. It's not just a warranty like the old chemical methods. Mm-hmm. We guarantee it 100% because we know they're gone. So, so we bring the dog back in and do another clear. Oh, do you? 
yeah, yeah. We run temperature probes to make sure it gets hot enough in the wall voids and everywhere where the dog has detected the bugs. How long, how long does it take, a typical treatment? How long does it take? Um, well, probably a whole day. I mean, it's anywhere from four to eight hours, depending on the size of the place. Right. So, so and, I mean, it only takes like 20, 30 minutes to kill the bugs. But we keep it up to that temperature for a minimum four hours to make sure. Because there's lots of voids to get to and stuff. But the nice thing about the heat is you don't have to get rid of uh, furniture. Like if they're in a bed bed or, uh, sorry, more, more likely a couch or a chair, you can't put bed bug covers on a couch and chair. So a lot of people have to throw them away. So I always yeah. tell people the cost of one couch or chair that you're throwing away in long term is going to be more expensive than the heat treatment. Now, are we talking a leather couch or are we talking your run-of-the-mill couch? Well, depends <laughs> on the person. <laughs> hey, there's some nice, you know, cloth couches too, right? That, so, fair, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, but, yeah, you definitely have to have a heat treatment nowadays. That's the only. I wouldn't even even if they don't use my company, I would tell people get a heat treatment. I don't care where you go, but if you don't get a heat treatment, you're going to fight them forever. And and it's not something that you can do yourself. This is something you oh, have to gosh, have a pro. Oh no, these this equipment is a hundred thousand dollars with the trailer and uh, gen set and everything. Oh no, it's it's expensive equipment. Yeah, you got to get somebody in that knows what they're doing, and you and you probably will want to deal with it sooner than later because I guess they they are also very prolific. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm just uh, last thing on the bed bugs. Uh, you talk about them like traveling. For example, you put that book on your nightstand. Uh, how do they get there, and how quickly do they move? Well, they're not real fast crawlers if you've ever seen videos of them. But, yeah, they, they like to nest in folds of things or wood. And uh, a book probably is a nice, you know, especially the binding and that little gap in there. You know, it's a nice little crack they can get into. So, And they don't stay with you. They bite you, and they go back to their harbinger where they, where they nest. So, you know, if the book's right there, nice beside, they're very, they don't crawl more than 10, 20 feet a day to bite you. So that's why usually they stay in one room. So it's not like they spread through a home. They're going to stay near the blood source. Mm-hmm. So if that book's right beside where you're breathing, guess what? <laughs> Boom, it's nice and, so, what, it's a foot away from you, and then they just come and have a little nibble again, <laughs> back to the book. It's a significant issue. Uh, in terms of insects, would you say that's uh, perhaps the biggest problem or one of the things that you're called mostly for? Yes, bed bugs are number one, yeah, for insects, yes. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, uh, it, this is a, a growing problem with no pun intended, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Joe, we really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that you're uh, on some downtime, vacation on this long weekend with your family in Vernon, but we do appreciate uh, your time. Uh, Green Valley Pest Control throughout Metro Vancouver, and you really try to stay away from the chemicals, don't you? We do, as much as possible. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk again soon. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Joe Gabera from Green Valley Pest Control. Matt Highland is our technical producer. My name is Ian Power. Uh, Stay with us. Shane Foxman on CKNW Weekend is next. I'm Ian Power for Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW.